Arizona basketball has a number of players in the NBA, and that many of them are doing very well, and they range from the first pick of the draft to a players that uh, took a little bit longer to get there. All that and more on Locked On Wildcats. You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. This show is brought to you by FanDuel. Check it out, fanduel.com slash locked on. All right, I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, we're going to go down and talk some Arizona basketball and where exactly everything stands with the uh, the U of A players in the NBA. There are a multitude of players, and I think some that turned out to be really good we didn't see coming. Some maybe disappointed a little bit, but we will run the gamut. All right, now. Uh, let's just, uh, why don't we just talk about some players that were drafted really high and we'll go backwards. Uh, DeAndre Ayton. Um, listen, DeAndre Ayton has immense talent. We all know that. But I think with DeAndre Ayton, the question was always, how badly does he want to play basketball? And honestly, I think that we kind of know that at this stage of the game, he is, uh, He's, I think he's kind of content being a 12 and 10 player. Now, I think a lot of people, including myself, were hoping that he would be a, uh, that he could have a David Robinson type impact. And again, not quite to that extent, but being somebody that could be 23 and 11, something like that. And that just never really, uh, that just never really materialized. And I think a lot of people were saying, well, you know, if you get a, maybe get a different, um, Maybe get a different, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, different uh, coaching staff, somebody that maybe believes in you, uh, that maybe that would change it a little bit. That obviously never changed. And obviously, not only did it not change, um, he's probably gone backwards a little bit. But basketball always, you could kind of tell, just kind of came easy to DeAndre Ayton, maybe uh, mainly because um, he's really big, he moves well, and but. The motor was just never there, and again, he's a he's a solid NBA player, but he's certainly not going to be one of those, uh, I think, transcendent players that I think so many people were hoping that he could be, and something that I think that you draft with the first pick, hoping that he could be that player. That's obviously not in the cards uh, for him, but again, still a good NBA player, just not somebody you use uh, you draft with the first pick. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's really, uh, that's really kind of it, to be honest with you. Um, I, like I said, I always thought that he would be a little bit, a uh, little bit better, a um, little bit better than he is, but you know, at the end of the day, it just kind of is what it is with him. You either really want it or you don't, I don't know that he necessarily really wanted it, but you know what? He's going to be making, he'll probably, he'll finish his career making 200, $300 million. So, you know, Either way, it doesn't stink at all to be DeAndre Ayton, and not only does it not stink at all to be DeAndre Ayton, it's a uh, it's a good thing to be DeAndre Ayton. Um, now, a player that uh, was drafted fourth that I think has really uh, lived up to his role—not a superstar, but a player that you win with and you can win at the highest level with—is Aaron Gordon. All right, I got to be honest with you. I didn't know what to make of Aaron Gordon going into the pros because you could always tell that he had a ton of ability, 
just on the defensive end uh, alone in that he could switch out. He could guard, uh, he could guard a two, he could guard a three, he could guard a variety of different players. Um, but you just kind of wondered where exactly, you know, would that, uh, um, where, where would that really take him? Uh, would he be able to work on his offensive game to the extent to be able to get to, you know, really, I think where, um, you hope that a player that of his caliber or of his skills could get, and he's done it. Listen, He's never going to come down and break you down off the dribble and, you know, kind of get you going, kind of get you going with the hesitation and whatnot. That's just not his game. Um, But he's turned himself into a reliable three-point shooter, which is uh, no small feat because, again, um, this was not a player that I think was expected to to do that, but he's become a reliable three-point shooter. Now, again, is he ever going to be mistaken for uh, Glenn Rice or somebody like that? No, he won't. But – He's good enough, and I think that's all that you really kind of care about if you're an Arizona fan or or if you're a fan of Aaron Gordon is just that he became he became passable. And, again, that's kind of where it's at with him. But he also is a winning basketball player. If he's going to be your first or second best player on a team, you're not going to win many games. But if he's going to be your fourth best player like he is on the Nuggets and he can – uh, and he can uh, basically be given a finite role and be told that, you know, we need you to do this. We need you to be able to do that, do some of the little things. He's going to be just fine. And he's proven that he can be uh, He's proven that um, Aaron Gordon is a winning basketball player. You saw that in college um, because, again, I think you can I think that he was the best defensive player of the Sean Miller era. And remember, too, he came in and he was he was young. He was young for his uh, grade. He came in at 17, I believe, and it t- turned 18 during the regular season. So in this day and age of holdbacks where some players are, you know, coming in at 20 as freshmen, he was a little bit unique in that regard. So he uh, again, that was a uh, Aaron Gordon was a hit. Um, he is going to be able to be in the league for a long time because when you're the Nuggets and you've got a window for the next, what, five, six, seven, eight, or five years where you're going to be hoping to compete for championships, having somebody like an Aaron Gordon who can do all the dirty work and not only do all the dirty work, but kind of embrace the uh, grind of it is something that you don't really find in the NBA a lot. And not only do you not find it, um, you also just kind of, you don't, you just don't see it because everybody wants to be the player that's, you know, getting 23 points per game. He understood what his role was. Now it is funny though, because at the U of a, the one thing that annoyed me is when he tried to pretend to be a small forward and uh, Arizona would put him at small forward. And that was odd because he couldn't shoot free throws and he couldn't shoot threes. So essentially what he would do is he would get a rebound and then pretend to dribble the or dribble the ball to half court and then pass it to TJ McConnell to prove that he was a wing Um, in the NBA. He certainly, as uh, he certainly has expanded his skill set, and not only has he expanded his skill set, he's also. I think we're also at the stage now where you know that uh, he is going to be a player that um, he's going to be a player that uh, will make a lot of money in the league, and I think you could probably see him on some all defensive teams because he's got, like I said, he's got that ability, and he embraces the role that he was given. And that's something that I think a lot of players don't uh, necessarily get. Knowing knowing who you are is a massive thing in the NBA and in the and in basketball in general. If you know who you are and you can play to those skills, 
it becomes a lot easier for you to be able to excel. And I think Aaron Gordon has certainly uh, figured that one out. Also, playing with Nikola Jokic, playing with Jamal Murray, he uh, Michael Porter Jr., he's perfect in that role. And, um, again, I think it uh, it's great to see happen because, by all accounts, he was a really, really good kid when he got here. Now, somebody with a, t- a couple guys with a ton of potential, maybe some all-NBA potential, we're going to discuss next. But first, FanDuel, check it out. FanDuel, all kinds of good stuff. Um, uh, listen, the NBA is going on. College basketball is coming on. And not only uh, both of that, you also have – the NFL, NFL playoffs are here. And as we've talked about, what is more enjoyable than betting on a game where you also know that, all right, um, I got some action in it. I know it's good. I can bet live. I can bet pregame. FanDuel.com slash locked on has you covered again. Check it out. You will thank me later because, again, this is the spot where it is all at. FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats, and making this your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now we are running down all these players that are in the NBA, what they're doing for the U, or what they're doing, ex-NBA players, and uh, all this, that, and more. Now, Lowry Markkinen. Lowry Markkinen right now is the best U of A player in the NBA. Um, Listen, anytime you average 25 points per game and you shoot around 50% from the field along with something like, you know, around 40 from three and uh, shoot 80 plus from the free throw line, you're going to get attention. Now, I think that these numbers, and I say this about anybody, they're a little bit inflated in this day and age because we're playing in an era where teams are looking to score 130 points and, but... Either way, don't hate the player, hate the game. And Lowry Markinen has turned into an uh, – I don't know that he's an all-NBA player. I don't know that he's ever going to be that. But he is certainly an all-star caliber player. And that was an easy one to see. When uh, he was uh, when he was at the U of A, you could tell Sean Miller didn't really know how to use him. So essentially what Lowry would do is he would have this seven-foot player who would kind of just stand on the perimeter and – shoot threes when he was capable of so much more. And by so much more, I mean so much more. Just think back to that Xavier game where you're kind of like, uh, what's going on here? Why are you just standing there just being ISOed out by ISO Zoe? Um, but again, he is a, uh, it's, it's been awesome to see him flourish in the NBA. And honestly, he deserves it. Um, he is a, uh, he's an, like we said, he's an immensely talented guy. He can hit you from all three levels. And not only can he hit you from all three levels, he can also, um, he's also getting better. Now, sometimes it's also about fit. When he was in uh, Cleveland or when he was in Chicago, you could tell that he wasn't totally uh, being utilized. Now, you could say he's on the Jazz. The Jazz aren't very good. You would be right on that. But I also am going to sit here and say that he is a, uh, he's the type of player that is going to continue to get better. And I think it remains to be seen, but what exactly is his upside? Is his upside a winning basketball player on a really good team? Is he a stats guy? And again, I don't even mean stats guy in a negative light, but it'll be interesting to see exactly how that one does, uh, how that one does uh, play out because again, he's got a lot of talent. Um, When you're, uh, when you're that size and you can shoot, 
and he's every bit of seven foot. He's not six nine or six ten. He's every bit of seven foot. And just think back to when uh, Arizona got the decommitment from TJ Leaf, and they're like, "Watch this. We will bring in Lowry Markinen." So again, the finisher, great name by the way, has done a very very good job uh, in the NBA finding his role. Then Ben Matherin, Benedict Matherin. All right, now. Um, Ben's interesting to me because again, Ben's still coming off the bench. He has the most, I believe 30 point games coming off the bench or the most 25 plus. I can't remember which one it is coming off the bench. And, uh, I think that Ben, listen, I was hoping that he would take another jump this year. That hasn't happened, but I think Ben has the highest upside of any player on this, uh, because he's super athletic. He's also, he's also a much better ball handler than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Um, listen. He's not Gilbert Arenas by any means, but he can get to where he needs to on the basketball court. And not only can he get to where he needs to on the basketball court, he can pull up. He's got the mid range. He's got the three and he's an explosive finisher. Um, I like Ben. I like Ben a really a great deal. Now he's on a team with an absolute megastar in uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton that you always kind of wonder, is that going to limit his shine to a certain extent? And I think that's a fair question to be asked, but be that as it may, um, Ben, Ben can play, Ben can lock you down and Ben can get you at, uh, from all, every single spot. I think Ben's, uh, upside is clearly all-star now. Maybe it's all NBA. I don't know. Like I said, he averaged about 16 a game last year. That's taken a little bit of a, a step back, but he's also on a team with some veteran players some veteran wings. If he can make that, if he can get better, if he can, um, if he can come back next year and essentially force his way into the starting lineup, or be the player that the Pacers say, "All right, he's ready to make that move. Let's move on from Buddy Heald and get something for him," then I think you're in business because when you're playing with somebody like Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, who is an absolute superstar, your life can also be easy. Your life can be easier, but you're also probably not going to put up as many stats. So it's kind of a catch-22 there. But Ben, Ben's big time. I Like I said, I would have drafted Ben fourth overall in that draft behind the uh, three obvious ones in Ben Caro, uh, Chet Holmgren, and Jabari Smith. Um, but uh, Jay Nivey, I believe, went ahead of him. I would still choose Ben over Jay Nivey. But either way, those uh, uh, Ben has a world of potential in front of him. All right, now keeping on that team, Dalen Terry. All right, now with Dalen, Dalen's an interesting guy because, listen, Um, Nobody expected Dalen to be off to the NBA after a year or two years, excuse me. Um, But when you're six foot eight, when you can handle the ball and when you can uh, and when you can uh, assist the way you can, you're going to have a market. And it took him a while for sure. I mean, keep in mind, he'd only be a senior here at the U of A, but he is also. He's also uh, pushed his way into the starting lineup for a couple games with the Chicago Bulls. And I think his best basketball is obviously in front of him. It's going to, he's another player though, that I think it's going to take him a little bit of time. Um, But he's got really everything you want from a basketball perspective in that he is, uh, he's long. He understands how to play, comes from a good family, all of that. And uh, again, you know, you watch Dalen and that's what an NBA player looked like. It's going to be up to him to see how far he can really take that. But Dalen, again, Dalen can play. It'll be interesting to see how he is able to take that. You know, Christian Coloco is an interesting one because Coloco has been injured. You kind of worry with Coloco that he's going to get caught up in a a numbers game. But defensively, you always knew that he was going to be that dude. Um, But And 
I think the key thing with him was, could he become a, uh, could he become a three point shooter? Could he be able to space the court? It's so funny to talk about a three point shooter when you're dealing with a seven foot one player, but um, you know, that's the NBA we're in. Uh, could he become a Chris Boucher? And we still don't know that now uh, with Christian. Yes, he's older. He was older, but he was also new to basketball. So I don't necessarily hold the uh, the height or the, excuse me, the experience factor against him, mainly because the fact that he was new to basketball. Um, so we will, uh, we'll find out. Hopefully he can stay, hopefully he can stay healthy because um, I think there really is a spot for him in the NBA, but it's also ne- it also needs to be, you know, something where you can take advantage of his strengths and he's again, that's his strengths are a def- on the defensive side of the court. Can he, can they find somewhere that he can do that? And again, I don't know that they, they certainly haven't found that yet, but maybe they can find that in the future. All right. Now we're going to talk about everybody's fan favorite coming up next, but first game time. All right. Now you might say, Mike, I need to go to a game or I'd like to go to a game. And uh, I don't know where exactly to find uh, tickets. Look no further, my friend. Game time. Download the Game Time app today. Use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. $20 off, my friends. And this doesn't just apply for ba- or for sporting events. This applies for uh, uh, this applies for concerts, tickets, you name it. They've got it. Again, Game Time is where you get it. Download the Game Time app. Use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats and making this your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now we're talking about TJ McConnell, ladies and gentlemen. All right, now I never thought TJ McConnell was going to play in the NBA. Um, he has been an absolute marvel. Uh, I in no way, shape, or form did I think he'd play in the NBA. He's a point guard that has a set shot um, that also um, couldn't really shoot, but man. He's he's made a killing for himself. He's made a uh, he's he's made a lot of money for himself. He's probably going to finish his career with around six seven thousand points. He is a uh, he's going to be a 10, 11 year NBA player, and I would imagine he'll probably be an assistant coach under Sean Miller when he's all when that's all said and done. But TJ has been everything you want about somebody who did it the right way. All of that. That's TJ McConnell to a T, and. Again, he's not a starting caliber player, but he's always going to be a reliable backup, and he will always have a market because he plays hard, he can defend, his lateral quickness is fantastic, and you can put him in a game and he's never going to embarrass himself. And that is a huge part of it when you're dealing with a backup point guard. But, you know, TJ McConnell, a big tip of the cap for what he's been able to do because he really defied the odds. He also made it happen. He wasn't invited to uh, the NBA pre-draft camp. Guess what? He just showed up there, and when somebody didn't show up, he was invited in. Um, Just cool seeing what he's been able to do because, like I said, he certainly defied the odds. All right, now a guy that's really kind of made himself into a nice little uh, NBA player, too, has been Josh Green. Josh Green is in the perfect spot for him because – He's on a team with uh, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, so he doesn't have to do a ton offensively, to put it mildly. Um, He essentially needs to be able to shoot threes and defend, you know, your proverbial three and D, and he's done just that. Uh, Josh Green is strong. He's athletic. He's physically gifted. He was always going to play in the NBA. It was just about being able to find the right role for him. 
And he's been able to find that role. And I think, honestly, he's a perfect fit in Dallas because he's another guy without a ton of offensive ball handling skills. But he was he was able to get with a team that needed somebody like that. And he's been able to take advantage of it. So much of this is finding the right fit at the right time. And Josh Green has been able to do just that um, with Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic. He's always going to have open threes. It's just about being able to make, it's just about being able to make those and also play lockdown defense. And uh, so far, so good. He's been able to do that. Um, I think going forward, it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, can he maybe, can he maybe uh, boost that, uh, point production into the, you know, that point production into the, you know, the the low teens, who knows? I doubt it, but either way, he's going to play in the NBA for a long time. And then last, or uh, not last, but not least Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill is the epitome of a four-year player that did it right. Nobody looked at Solomon Hill in college and said, ah, that guy's going to be an NBA all-star. And he's not, but you know what he is? He's a six foot seven dude who understands basketball plays really, really well. And not only does he play well, you can fit him into a team. You can fit him into a rotation and uh, he can be that 11th player. And again, there's nothing really wrong with that. But overall, Arizona's got a nice little slew of players in the NBA um, as Tommy Lloyd really gets this thing going at the U of A, which he has, obviously. I think you're going to continue to see that number grow. I think by the time that this is all done, you're, you know, I don't know that every it's ever going to be like loot where essentially every NBA team had an U of A point guard, but there's going to be a lot of that in play. But on that note, uh, I wanted to kind of touch base on the NBA with everybody. We're going to be back with you tomorrow. Or we're going to be back with you, excuse me, on uh, Monday, breaking down the Arizona-Washington State game. Again, I expect Arizona to be able to beat Washington State soundly. I don't care especially in games like this. I don't care if you're playing on the moon. You need to be able to handle a team like Washington State because they just aren't good. And Arizona is playing where now it's like, all right, let's just get this one rolling. Let's just keep this uh, momentum going. Don't want any more uh, Don't want any more type of Stanford games. Don't want any more of that. We need to continue this one. But as always, on uh, thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day. You have a great rest of your Friday and keep it locked on Wildcats.